When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to EXO Higher Self, the podcast where you send me your questions and I help guide you to your higher self, the part of you that already has the answer. This is your host, Bunny Michael. I'm so happy to be here with you this week. I hope you had a beautiful weekend. Right now I'm recording this before Valentine's Day, but I hope on that day you took some time to celebrate the love in your life and the love within yourself. Before we get started, I do have a little announcement to make. We are making a change to our Patreon. Instead of doing extended episodes with two extra questions for Patreon subscribers, we're now going to release full bonus episodes every other Friday starting this week. So if you want to listen to bonus episodes, if you need an extra dose of the Higher Self community, or if this podcast has helped you in your life, please subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash exo higher self and for as little as a dollar a month you can have access to these bonus episodes along with other great perks okay moving on there is a quote that i read over the week that i really wanted to read to you it's by william law and here it is love is infallible it has no errors for all errors are want of love I read that quote and I just sat there thinking about the meaning it had stirred up in me. I thought about how my idea of love has been shaped by my experience, by what I've been taught, by what I saw in the movies and on TV. But what this quote is saying and what I've come to realize the message of higher self is saying is that love is knowledge. Love is wisdom. It's the natural wisdom that we are born with. When I started this podcast, I wanted to guide listeners to the answers they already had within themselves. So many choices that we make are made out of illusion, an illusion that we're not good enough, that we don't belong, that we have to fight and compete everyone for power, that if only we had this job, this partner, this money, this status, then we will be happy. Then we will be okay. Acceptance is always outside of ourselves and sometime in the future, right? It's never now and it doesn't come from within us. So we're constantly seeking it and we never feel satisfied, at least not for very long. What this process of aligning with our higher selves is doing is awakening out of that illusion, it's rediscovering ourselves the way we were created. We are enough. You are enough. This is the practice. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. The term enlightenment comes from understanding, to bring something to the light of understanding. The conditioning and beliefs we have about ourselves that don't serve us are often in the shadows of our awareness. 
And shining a light to those places is not an easy path. But would you rather be dreaming or awake? Maybe I'd like to be dreaming if it was a pleasant dream, right? But not seeing our own worth isn't pleasant, is it? And it leads to choices that deep inside we know aren't good for us. But that's the work, right? That's why we're here. To transform our perspective and transform our lives one thought at a time. We're all doing it together. It's not about perfection. It's about fully accepting yourself for where you are right now. So thank you for being here right now. And thank you for being on this path. All right, let's get to the first question. Hey, Bunny, thank you so much for providing this space and this community. It really means a lot to me. I'm calling because I'm really struggling at work with my fellow coworker. I am an educator for some context. I'm an educator of color. I'm a queer educator and I'm a younger teacher, an associate teacher, and I work alongside but below a head teacher who is a white middle-aged woman. I know she's well-meaning. I know she's well-intentioned. But sometimes I can't help but feel a little micromanaged in class. I feel that she's always waiting for me to do something to call me out. Or maybe that she's really quick to critique. And I'm not feeling like a lot of the work that I do put into being um, present for my students is being acknowledged. And I feel like I do a lot. And that feels complicated for me to feel like I'm doing a lot and not really getting recognized for the work that I'm doing, but also expected to always be on sort of high alert. Uh, this is a dynamic that I've experienced often in education. I've worked in many white private school spaces and I feel very triggered in this situation. It takes me back to my younger days when white teachers made me feel uncomfortable in class and I can't help but feel like this is a similar dynamic now, though I'm an adult. So it feels weird. I'm wondering how I can approach this from a higher self perspective. I've already had a conversation with her where I've named that some of the behaviors that she does are very discouraging. I haven't seen the behaviors change. I don't want this to be my experience for the rest of the school year and everything is already so stressful with coronavirus and all the things that we've had to change in the classroom because of it. I want to make this the best experience possible. Any advice in navigating this issue would be so incredibly helpful. Once again, thank you so much, Bunny. I'm wishing you the best. There's a long history of black women and women of color being expected to labor with very little recognition and respect. So having this trigger makes a lot of sense. And since we're all mentally conditioned by racism, this woman's whiteness can't not be a factor in the dynamics of the classroom or the politics of the education system you're working in. I'm really inspired that you already spoke to her about the type of encouragement you think is helpful for you. And it's so unfortunate that she didn't or couldn't take that to heart. 
Oftentimes what happens when people get into positions of authority, they assume the way they do things is the best and only way. She could believe in her heart that her style of criticism is actually what you need to be a better teacher. Or her white supremacy is coloring her judgment, or maybe a little bit of both. But no matter the reason, you're not there to please her. You are there to blossom as an educator and help your students grow. So your responsibility is to advocate for what you need in order to be more fully present for your higher purpose. Not because you need respect from this particular person, but because you are focused on transforming every classroom you are part of to be a safe space for growth and love. You are there to shine a light into the hearts of those students. And when you keep that as your focus, you will be guided to have the conversations and take whatever actions you need to do your job. When you stay aligned with your higher self's purpose, you can use whatever guidance from other people that's helpful with an open mind, and then you can leave the rest. In every job and in every space, our responsibility is to be a representative of love. And how we take on that role differs from person to person. It could look like a conversation that needs to be had. It could look like setting the example of what a loving and compassionate person is. It could look like totally revolutionizing the way things have functioned in the past in order to create fundamental change. Or it could look like leaving spaces that don't feel safe and working in places that will provide the environment that's right for you. Trust yourself and listen to what your heart is guiding you to do. There is no wrong answer. But remember, this obstacle, this woman is just a blip on the map of your journey. Don't give away all of your power. This experience is making you stronger. The love inside you is indestructible. You have a bright future ahead of you. And any student who is lucky enough to have you as an educator is truly blessed. The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. A few weeks ago, I ended my first queer relationship with the person that I'm still in love with. Although I did not want us to end, I felt that I had to make a decision for fear of losing the support of my family. My mom did not approve of my partner because she felt that we started the relationship too quickly and were experiencing too many bumps in the road. In her relationship with my dad, they did not experience much struggle in the first two years. To be fair, I realized that her perception of the relationship was largely based on the difficulties I shared with her as I faced my own insecurities at the beginning of the relationship. I confided in her for support without realizing how it would color her perception of my partner. I kept the highlights of our relationship to myself, which led her to have a skewed perception, understandably. The pandemic elevated all emotions and created tension between us. During Christmas, my mom said that if I choose to continue the relationship, she would not visit me or be willing to meet my partner. I tried to share the positives of my relationship with her, but she was not convinced. Whatever decision I made, there would be consequences for our family. 
This caused me so much pain that I began questioning my parents' love for me. I felt trapped in a corner asking myself, what quality of life do I want in the long run? Do I want to be in a relationship that I cannot share with my family? What toll would that take on me internally? The possibility of having to keep my relationship separate from my parents was agonizing to consider. Yet the decision to break up with a woman that I'm still in love with has been tearing me apart. How can I make sense of this decision I made in a state of distress? What happens if I have regrets down the line? How will I find peace in myself again? Thank you so much for taking the time to read this and share your wisdom. I don't doubt that your mom really loves you and believes that making this ultimatum is some way that she can protect you from getting hurt. But unless there's some history of abuse in this romantic relationship that I don't know about, your mom's actions seem misguided. A lot of people use protection as an unconscious form of control. Perhaps since this is your first queer relationship, it could feel particularly threatening to her. And maybe she was happy when you ended it for that exact reason. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to understand your mom's thinking or choices. But ending the relationship because of your mom is only going to create anger and resentment towards her. You are an adult and you have to have the freedom to pursue any relationship your heart is guiding you to. And I think it's great that you feel close enough to your mom to talk about your relationship issues with her. But just because someone gives you their opinion or advice doesn't mean they know what is right for you. She comes from a whole different generation with a different set of cultural conditioning as to what makes a good romantic partnership. What works for her doesn't have to work for you and vice versa. I know it hurts that your mom has put you in this position, but the sooner you allow yourself to make your own choices, the sooner she will have to accept that. You do not need your parents' approval of your partner. You really don't. I know it feels overwhelming to think of a life where you can't share your partner with your family, but what would be really unfortunate is not sharing yourself with a partner you really love or living the life that feels right to you in your heart. Eventually, your parents, your mom, will let go of her need to control your choices. Just give her time. She's just like any other person on her own journey with her own wounds and places she still needs to grow. And after having been the role of the person who knows what's good for you for so many years, it's understandable that it would be hard for her to let go of that role. And that's why it's also hard for you to let go of the role of needing her approval. Another thing is because your mom is so disapproving right now, it probably wouldn't be very fun for your partner to hang out with the fam anyways, right? Keep loving your family and keep loving your partner. You can't control other people's choices, but you can let yourself choose what's right for you and be unapologetically your authentic self. That energy is actually one of the most healing things you can bring to all your relationships. Content warning, the following question and answer mentions physical and sexual abuse. Hi, Bonnie. Um, 
I am a new listener. I just listened to one episode and I'm already subscribed to your Patreon and sending you a message. I have been dealing with this feeling of resentment and anger ever since 2019, whenever I got out of an abusive relationship where sexual assault took place. And I actually had the worst year after that in 2020. I had an eating disorder that was fueled by my anger from those events. And I really got very low. And it wasn't until the end of 2020 when I started feeling better. But I'm still feeling dealing with this feeling of control that he still has over me, even though he isn't in my life anymore. Um, whenever he speaks out publicly about me, which is often on social media, he'll tell people that I've made up lies and said things that aren't true and that I deserve nothing. And I feel like his voice overpowers mine even though I've spoken out so many times and lost so many friends over just telling them that he is the worst. Um, and I feel like he still has that control over other people's opinions of me. And it really makes me feel like I have a bad opinion of myself. It makes me question my experiences. And it also makes me feel like I have to prove something to people constantly. Um, I have the support of my family and I'm supporting myself. I'm meditating. I'm doing yoga. Um, I'm on medication. But how do I let go of that control that still feels present in my life? Thank you so much. I hope this reaches you well. Do you want to meow? <laughs> that was my cat saying hi and goodbye thank you oh sweetheart i am so so sorry you're dealing with this trauma it is so upsetting and as a person who has also been in a physically and sexually abusive romantic relationship i know how hard it is to not think about this person to not constantly feel controlled by them Mine was also a very public breakup and some people around me supported me and believed me and some people didn't. So I know how you feel. It's really hard. Let's take a moment to acknowledge the strength and courage it took for you to leave that situation. That is a testament to how much you truly love yourself. And now you are letting your higher self guide you to speak your truth. And that is so honorable. Are you in therapy or counseling? I think it's really important to have an outside support system that can help guide you through this time of healing because the control that you're feeling is most likely the residual control of the dynamics of the relationship. Abusers go to such great lengths to control our environments, our other relationships, our perception of ourselves and of their behavior. In order for the abuse to continue, they have to remain in control of our perception and our thinking. So leaving the relationship is a major, major step of relinquishing that control, but it's not the only work that we have to do to completely let that go. 
Just like any other injury, it takes time to heal. And even when we're physically injured and then we are healed, we still have to be careful with how we use the parts of us that were injured. It makes sense that you still feel hurt. It makes sense that you haven't fully cut the psychological tie that was so ingrained when you were together. You are human. Even relationships that weren't abusive take time to cut those mental attachments. What I don't want you to do is judge yourself or beat yourself up for still being affected by what this person does. When those feelings come up, just acknowledge that they are there for a reason, but those feelings are temporary. I also think it would be a good idea to not read whatever he is writing on social media or look at any of his accounts. I know it's tempting because you want to know what someone is saying about you, but checking in on what he is saying doesn't help to let go of that attachment. He's not going to change his tune. There is no point in checking to see if maybe he woke up that morning and decided to do the right thing. So why read it? How will that serve you? He needs a lot of healing. Maybe he will get it someday and maybe he won't. But you are no longer at the effect of his wounds. As for me, it took me a really long time to not think about my abusive ex. And even sometimes it comes up. Something will remind me. Some anxiety, some self-blame, some fear, something I see on the internet. But then it passes and I'm back into the realization that I am so much more than that story. You are free now to explore and discover all the parts of you that bring you joy. This is your opportunity. You survived, you learned a lot, and will continue to. You know what you deserve in relationships. Some of us never really see that or see how worthy we are and how much love we deserve. Don't waste another minute judging yourself for being where you are on your healing path. It will get easier. Seek the support that you need, treat yourself with kindness, keep your boundaries, and honor the wisdom that this experience has shown you. This question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. I've been able to take a really difficult and confusing romantic situation and turn it into a way to get on a path of healing I never thought I would be on. But it's also presenting some hard decisions I've had to make about how to handle the situation now. Pain around not being able to be with them, first because of distance, then COVID, Doubled by pain brought up by guilt and unintended trauma from childhood, their abusive mother and distant father, which was triggered by major life changes brought on by our love connection. This person and I fell in love at work and eventually one night feelings bubbled over and while they were in an 11 year relationship, we kissed. It began to escalate emotionally quickly. I told them I didn't want them to leave their partner if it was just to be with me. They said they needed to try a new way to live, and a month later, they went for it. Even though we since have had sex, we've intentionally avoided an official relationship for a few reasons. I moved away a few months later, and their guilt over betraying their partner and newly unearthed family trauma around self-worth made physical intimacy between us when we did have it drenched in guilt, confusion, and anxiety from them after. 
That's been the journey off and on for the last year plus, and I've come to a point now that I have realized our codependency is severe, and I have to be responsible for my growth in a big new way that this important love has helped me to realize. I can't focus on myself enough to look into my dark corners when we are in touch, because all I want to do is protect, direct, and save them, which results in me avoiding myself accidentally and furthering the codependent pattern. I have, largely from being raised by alcoholics addicts. My question is, how can I care for this person I'm in love with so they don't feel totally abandoned or alone when we have been sharing so much in new ways while still honoring my need for space to come to myself in this time of huge shifts in self-healing? Part of me thinks we both need to let go and let our new selves emerge. But another part of me knows the depths of the low self-worth and near constant psychological and spiritual pain they're in and wants to be able to help and support with active loving presence. I don't trust them to push themselves to heal or reach to others when they need support. Any advice around this is so appreciated and thank you so much for all you do. Sending lots of big love to everyone. You said, quote, I can't focus on myself enough to look into my dark corners when we are in touch because all I want to do is protect, direct, and save them, which results in me avoiding myself accidentally and furthering the codependent pattern I have, largely from being raised by alcoholics and addicts, end quote. I think you already have your answer. Staying in this relationship isn't helping either one of you. There comes a point when attachment isn't care, it's just enabling unhealthy patterns. And the loving thing to do is make the hard choice of ending it. Part of the reason this person doesn't have another person to lean on is because they've depended on you for so long. And it's not okay to be someone else's sole support system. Even if you were married and living together, it's not okay to only depend on you for emotional support. You are not their therapist, even if they are using you like one. Guilt is a very powerful emotion. Guilt can be a helpful catalyst to atoning for mistakes, but when you hold on to the guilt, when you can't let it go, it turns into self-hatred, which is the same consciousness that led you to make that mistake in the first place. So it creates this cycle of there's something wrong with me and you don't make choices from the perspective of your wholeness, which makes you constantly in your ego and fear and desperate to fulfill this lack you think you have, which only leads to more harmful behavior. This person needs a lot of healing and so do you and so do all of us. Making the loving choice often can be the most difficult choice. I'm really proud that you have the awareness to see how this pattern mirrors your past trauma and how you had to care for other addicts in your life. But those times you probably had no choice. You had to do it for survival. That's not what's happening right now. Triggers make us believe what happened in the past is what is happening in the present. We feel the same emotional fear. We go into fight or flight mode. This experience is an opportunity for you to let go of that story. You are not your past. 
You are not the person who takes care of people that won't care for themselves. That isn't who you are. You are a beautiful, magical, evolving, awakening human that the whole universe is open to. Don't make yourself smaller than you are. Step big into your future. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Reminder to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash exohigherself to get access to bonus episodes and help us keep this podcast on the air. Make sure this week that you are doing all that you can to not need to do everything that you can, if that makes sense. It's all about balance, folks. It's like, you know, the path isn't so much like trying to be spiritually perfect or trying to be perfectly good. It's about fully accepting where you are in your journey and fully accepting your humanness and bringing compassion to every single step of the way. So if you catch yourself being self-critical because you got caught up in your ego or maybe you said the wrong thing or maybe you got angry at a person and now you regret it and all that stuff, like what your higher self wants you to do in that moment is to say to yourself, it's okay. It's okay. You're human. You'll do better next time. Don't beat yourself up. So I just want to remind you of that. I struggle with that and um, I'm working on it too with you. So happy to be here with you. Have an amazing, amazing week. I'll talk to some of you on Friday's bonus episode on Patreon. Remember, I love you and so does your higher self. Have a great week. Bye. Exo Higher Self is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, hosted by me, Bunny Michael, produced by Kara Gilvey, with original music and sound mixing by Michael Bihari. 